Welcome to Choice Classic Radio. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, and help keep this show alive by donating at choiceclassicradio.com. For more of your favorite old-time radio shows, join us on our companion podcast, Choice Classic Radio Mystery, Suspense, Dramas, and Horrors, where we bring to you the most mysterious tales that the golden age of radio had to offer. And now, with 326 episodes made, broadcasting from 1939 to 1950, we bring to you The New Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Cremel Hair Tonic and Cremel Shampoo present The New Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Starring Nigel Bruce as Dr. Watson and Tom Conway as Sherlock Holmes. Now, once again, here we are in Dr. Watson's comfortable study. Good evening, Dr. Watson. Good evening, Mr. Bell. Sit down, my boy, and make yourself comfortable. Thank you. Yeah, warm tonight, isn't it? <laughs> it is indeed. Quite summery, in fact. Let's see. Tonight you're going to tell us about the strange adventure of Mr. John Scott Eccles at Wisteria Lodge, aren't you? Yes, and I think I can promise you that you'll find it weird enough to make you shiver a bit in, in spite of the weather. Good. I can hardly wait. Men, if you want that prosperous, successful look which stands out in the crowd, remember, well-groomed hair means a lot to a man's appearance. And I'm sure you'll want to know why so many of America's most prosperous and successful men use Kreml hair tonic. You see, Kreml contains a special combination of hair grooming ingredients which is found in no other hair tonic. This is why Kreml gives a man's hair such a natural, well-groomed look. Why it keeps hair neatly in place longer. Yet Kreml never leaves hair looking or feeling greasy, sticky, or dirty. Kreml never leaves hair feeling cakey or stiff. Just make this test, men. After you apply Kreml, rub your hand over your hair. Notice how delightfully clean your hair feels. Notice how no greasy film comes off on your hand or your hat band. Kreml always gives your hair such a handsome, clean-cut appearance, as if your barber had just combed it. At the end of the day, your hair looks just as neatly groomed as when you combed it in the morning. Buy a bottle at any drug counter. K-R-E-M-L, Kreml Hair Tonic. Now, Dr. Watson, what about the strange experience of Mr. John Scott Eccles and Wisteria Lodge? It was a bleak, wintry day. The year was 1892, I believe. We were in our rooms in Baker Street, and Holmes had received a telegram during lunch. He'd read it and sent off a reply. The lunch things were subsequently cleared away, and Holmes was standing in front of the fireplace, smoking his pipe, a thoughtful look on his face. Suddenly... He turned to me with a mischievous twinkle in his eyes. Watson, you are supposed to be a man of letters. How would you define the word grotesque? Grotesque? Why, something uh, strange, remarkable. No, there's more in it than that. Grotesque. There's an underlying suggestion of the tragic and the terrible. Yes, but why all this introspection? Who's been using the word now? Uh, this telegram. Read it. Oh, let's have a look. I've just had most incredible and grotesque experience. May I consult you? Signed, J.S. Eccles. And sent from the Chang Cross Post Office. <laughs> Eccles. I wonder if it's a man or a woman. Man, of course. No woman would have sent a reply paid telegram. No? No. She would have come herself. 
Ah, and that, if I'm not mistaken, is Mr. Eccles himself. Let's take a peek at him before Mrs. Hudson lets him in. Watson, don't joggle the curtain like that. It's too obvious. Respectable-looking, eh, Holmes? Notice the gray whiskers? <laughs> Pompous old bird. Yes. Everything from his spats to the gold-rimmed spectacles and top hat pronounce him a conservative. A churchman, a good citizen, orthodox and conventional to the last degree. Yes, but what is such a paragon coming here for? Accidents, my dear Watson, sometimes happen even in the best-regulated circles. Shh, here he is. Come in. Ah, good day. Mr. Eccles, I presume. Yes, Eccles. John Scott Eccles. I've just had a most upsetting and unpleasant experience, Mr. Holmes. Most improper, most outrageous. Pray sit down, Mr. Eccles. Oh, thank you. This is my colleague, Dr. Watson. How do you do, sir? It's an outrage. That's what it is. Oh, sorry. Mm. May I ask, Mr. Eccles, why you didn't come to me at once? What do you mean? It's now quarter past two. Your telegram was dispatched at quarter past one. And yet one glance at the somewhat uh, disheveled state of your attire shows that the uh, disturbance dates from the moment of your waking. You're right, Mr. Holmes. I never gave a thought to my appearance. My one idea was to get out of that house. But I've been busy since then, running round to the house agents, you know. The fellow's rent was paid right enough. Come, come, Mr. Eccles. I'm afraid you've acquired my friend Dr. Watson's deplorable habit. Huh? He is prone to tell his stories wrong end foremost. Now, look here, Holmes. I really don't Don't interrupt, Watson. Now, Mr. Eccles, will you please give us the facts of the case? Now what? Come in. Aha! Oh, so it's you, Lestrade, the watchdog of Scotland Yard. I might have known no one else would come thundering at the door in that fashion. I thought I'd find him here. Are you or are you not Mr. John Scott Eccles of Popper Mouse Lee? Naturally, he is. You traced him through his telegram to me. It's all perfectly obvious, so why be so melodramatic? Who is this gentleman? Allow me to introduce Inspector Lestrade, mastermind of Scotland Yard. You've got to blazes, Mr. Holmes. It's Mr. Eccles I'm after. And what for, if I may be so impertinent? The murder of Mr. Aloysius Garcia of Wisteria Lodge near Isha. Dead? You say he's dead? No, none of that surprise stuff. This letter was found in his pocket. You wrote it, didn't you? Oh, of course. You accepted his invitation to spend last night in his house, didn't you? Oh, yes, You did stay the night there, eh? Yes, but I can explain. Explain, eh? One moment, Lestrade. Mr. Eccles was on the verge of telling me what happened during his visit. I suggest we allow him to proceed. Draw up a chair, Lestrade. You might learn something. Oh, very well, but I warn you, Mr. Eccles, anything you say may be used in evidence against you. But I'm sure my story puts also... Oh, dear me. Go on, please. Go on. Oh, yes, yes. Well, you see, Mr. Holmes, I'm a bachelor of a rather sociable turn of mind. I cultivate a large number of friends, among them Mr. Gerald Melvin. Gerald Melville, the retired brewer? Yes, that's the one. Oh, nothing likes a glass of Melville's double brew to quench a thirst on, on a hot day, eh, Lestrade? Oh, Watson, don't interrupt. Oh, well, uh, it was there some weeks ago that I met a fellow named Garcia. He was, I understood, of Spanish descent and connected with the embassy. We struck up quite a friendship. One thing led to another, ended by his inviting me to spend a few days at his house, Wisteria Lodge, between Isha and Oxford. Hmm. How many were there in his household? He had uh, a sort of valid butler, a countryman of his named Jose, and a half-breed cook called Grogo. A queer household to find in the heart of Surrey, eh, Holmes? Yes, Dr. Watson. So I thought at the time. It proved a good deal queerer than I expected. Yeah, now, let's get to the point. You went to the house? Uh, yes. I arrived last night, a few hours after dinner. Drove over from Isha. Storm was brewing. House was fair-sized. Crazy, tumble-down affair. I'll admit, I had some doubts as to the wisdom of my visit as we went up the drive. <laughs> Uh, 
Delighted to see you, my dear friend. Delighted. I was afraid you might not reach this place before the storm arrived. Jose, you will take the Senor Eccles things to his room. The one in front, across the hall from my own. Si, Senor. Ah, that is he. My priceless Jose. A bidding-looking fellow, I must say, Garcia. Looks more like a brigand than a servant. Yes. That is what makes him so truly remarkable. Ah, but come in here, into my study. There is a fire and some good red wine and a sandwich for you, which my good Groco has made especially. In here. Come. Oh, yes. Oh, thank you. Well, this is better. I'll admit I was chilled from that drive. And your hall is a trifle drafty, my dear Garza. But here we are, what you call cozy, eh? Come, sit by the fire. Oh, I feel good. A glass of wine, no? Not a bad idea. Good. I will have one, too. So, and here is your sandwich. Mm, thank you. Oh, by Joe, I say this sandwich is hot. Yes, a Spanish specialty. It is full of onion. Mm, so I notice. Dears, what was that? Sounds like someone at the front door. There it is again. I say, Garcia, you look white as a sheet. Is anything the better? No. No, nothing. Nothing at all. Oh, only that it is so late for someone to be calling. Look here. I'll go to the door if you're afraid. No, 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 senora. It is not necessary. Jose will go. Ah, listen. He is going now. I wonder who it is on a night like this. Come in. What is it, Jose? What has happened? A message for you, senor. A letter. Good. Give it to me. Hmm. So... So, that is it. It is what, senor? Never mind, Jose. And close the door. Look here, Garcia. What's the matter? Did the letter have bad news? Bad news? The letter? Oh, but no, senor. Uh, just an invitation. I do not even bother to answer. See, it goes into the fire. Why are you trembling? Trembling? Me? It is the cold. I am not accustomed to this climate. But it is late, and I am a bad host, no? You want to go to bed? Not particularly. And uh, look here. If you're afraid of something, I'm perfectly willing to sit up all night. Afraid? Come, i show you to your room. You will take this candle, please. No, hmm. oh, oh, that's a bad draft you have in this hall, Garcia. I can hardly keep the candle from blowing out. This way, please. This is your room, senor. I am in there, across the hall. Good. Then you can call to me if you get the jumps again. Or if I see a ghost, eh? <laughs> Good night, Senor Good night. And pleasant dreams. Pleasant dreams. <laughs> More apt to have nightmares in a place like this. <laughs> Not even a fire in here. Looks like an iceberg. <laughs> Storm's getting near. What a clock. Sounds like the knell of doom. Oh, oh, midnight. Had no idea it was so late. My watch must have stopped. Oh, it says only 11.15. Suppose I forgot to wind it. Senor Eccles. Senor Eccles, are you still awake? Well, if I hadn't been, that clock would have wakened me. So sorry. And never mind. Next time it strikes only once for one o'clock. Yeah, that's a revelation. Uh, what I want to say, senor, is the bell by the bed. If you will ring it in the morning when you wake up, Jose will bring you your hot water. Oh, thanks. Good night again, senor. So far, I have seen no ghosts. <laughs> no, 
does he mean by that? Ghosts. This would certainly be the place for them. That storm is going to break any minute now. Wish that candle wouldn't flicker so. Weird shadows. I don't like the way they move about. Get to my nerves. Better blow the candle out. That'll finish them. Now, I can get a little sleep. Oh, what a bed. What's that? So you think you heard a scream, Mr. Eccles? Well, I wasn't sure. A storm broke at about that time. It may have been a wind. What a curious evening. The most curious thing about it was the clock. Do you often let your watch run down, Mr. Eccles? No, I can't say that I do. Well, uh, next morning the storm had cleared. I woke about dawn and tossed about half an hour. When I found that I couldn't go back to sleep, I rang for my hot water. That bed should be in a museum. It's even colder than last night. Confound that, Jose. Where's my hot water? Never did like the country. That fellow's probably still asleep. Maybe if I shout. Jose! I say, Jose! I don't like it. This place is too quiet. Jose! Grogo! Where are you? What the deuce? Why doesn't all this bellowing wake Garcia? Must be a sound sleeper. Garcia! Garcia, are you up? Confound the man. Oh, oh, you don't suppose? Oh, nonsense. I'm getting as jumpy as he was last night. Garcia, wake up! I say, let's go in and see if the man's all right. I say, Garcia, are you? Garcia! What? Well, look here! He's gone! The bed hasn't been slept in! Garcia! Jose! Garcia! I was thoroughly upset, Mr. Holmes. I ran from room to room, shouting. They were empty. The men were gone. My host, the footman, the cook, all vanished in the night. Quite a unique experience, eh, Watson? Yes, one of the most... I was furious. I packed my bag, set off to visit the chief land agent in the village. But I found everything in order. Garcia had rented the place right enough. But even paid three months in advance. My next step was to come into town, call at the Spanish embassy. Yes? They had never heard of Garcia. That is the end of my story. Well, I admit it seems to fit in with what we discovered at Wisteria Lodge. We even found the note you spoke of. But Garcia threw it into the fire. I saw him do it. It was a dog grate. He overpitched it. I found this crumpled up at the back. Yes, that's it. I recognize the paper. Hmm. May I see it? Oh, what is that? Our own colors. Green and white. Green open. White shut. Main stair. First corridor. Seventh right. Green baize. Godspeed. Sign D. Hmm. Woman's writing. An assignation of some sort, I'd say. Well, why should he turn pale if it was just an amorous intrigue? It was more than that. She writes Godspeed. It was a serious and dangerous undertaking. Who do you suppose she is? She signed us up D. He was Spanish, and she must have been too. D. R. That might stand for Dolores. Very good, Watson. Oh, thank you. But unfortunately, she wasn't Spanish. Wasn't Spanish? Why not? 
She writes to our Spanish friend in English. Oh, and there were others in it, too. The envelope is addressed in a different hand, a man's writing. And the print of a man's cufflink has been pressed into the ceiling wax. A remarkable note. There's something about it I don't quite like. Hmm. Lestrade, where did you say Garcia was found? Oxshot Common, about an eighth of a mile from his home. Head battered in. Footprints? Well, there weren't any we could see. The rain had washed them out. Robbed? No, no. His watch and money were left intact. Well, Mr. Eccles, if you don't mind stepping around the yard, I'd like your story in writing. Certainly. I'll come at once. But I should like to retain your services, Mr. Holmes. I shall be delighted to uh, collaborate with Scotland Yard, if Lestrade doesn't mind. And what good would it do if I did? Ah, then it's settled. I suggest we take a run down to Isha, eh, Watson? I find I have a longing for the country. Yeah, I'm coming too. Splendid. Suppose we meet tonight at Mr. Garcia's poetically named villa. What was it? Ah, yes. Wisteria Lodge. I fancy it'll be a case of Cherche la Femme. Cherche la... Oh, French. Uh, look for the woman. Oh, what woman? The woman who wrote that note. If I'm not mistaken, she's in a decidedly dangerous position. <laughs> just a moment, we'll find out what Sherlock Holmes discovers on the visit to Wisteria Lodge. Every man who takes pride in his appearance should know that handsome, healthy-looking hair needs a hygienic scalp. That's why, when you buy a hair tonic, be sure to get your money's worth. Don't settle for just any hairdressing when you can enjoy the extra advantages of Cremel hair tonic. This highly specialized hair tonic contains a special combination of hair grooming ingredients the like of which has never been duplicated in any other hair tonic. Cremel keeps dry, stubborn hair neatly in place all day and always gives hair such a natural, well-groomed appearance, never sticky or greasy. But men, Cremel does lots more than keep hair looking handsome. Cremel leaves your scalp feeling so alive and tingling. At the same time, it removes itchy, loose dandruff. It's simply great to lubricate a dry scalp. And if your hair is so dry it breaks off and falls when you comb it, Cremel actually helps condition the hair in that it makes it feel softer, more pliable. So, men, buy a bottle of Kreml at any drug counter. Ask for an application at your barber shop. Let Kreml help keep your scalp hygienic. Your hair always looking handsome, always looking its very best. K-R-E-M-L, Kreml hair tonic. Now, Dr. Watson, you and Sherlock Holmes went down to Wisteria Lodge. Yes, Mr. Bell. That night found us walking in the neighborhood of Isha. It was pitch black, and there was a wind blowing. Look here, Holmes. Why go plodding about on a night like this? There's another storm brewing up. Why not wait until daylight? It's too dark to see anything now anywhere. Even the road. Oh, stop grumbling, Watson. We promised Lestrade we'd pick him up at the villa. Yes, but Besides, I... we've got to rescue that woman. That note was written under pressure. The writing was shaky. Someone else addressed the envelope, sent it off and lured Garcia to his death. She's probably being kept prisoner at this moment, unless they've killed her, too. How are we going to find her? The note ran, main stair, first corridor, seventh white, green bays. That indicates a large house. Yes, but there aren't many large houses in the neighborhood. Quite. Moreover, it had to be a house Garcia could get to, do what he intended to do, and be back by 12 o'clock. Less than an hour's time. What do you mean? I mean that Garcia invited our friend Mr. Eccles to visit him with one purpose in mind. Oh, what was that? He wanted an alibi. That is why the clock struck 12 when Mr. Eccles' watch indicated it was only quarter past 11, which was the correct time, by the way. 
Garcia intended to be somewhere else at 12 o'clock. Yes, but where? Somewhere within the radius of a mile. There are only two large houses within this radius. One belongs to Lord Weaverley, a conservative old fellow he's out of the question. The other, High Gables, was rented just last month by a man who calls himself Henderson, but who looks like a foreigner. The whole house is run by foreign servants with the exception of an English governess for his little girl. You think that she may be the woman in question? I only know she has not been seen for the last three days. Hmm, that looks bad. Well, if I'm not mistaken, that is a light from Wisteria Lodge shining through the trees. Mr. Stroud's here ahead of us. Lugubrious looking place. Eh, Holmes? Yes. One across the driveway. That's Lestrade sitting in the middle of the study with a light beside him. What's the matter with the man? He's as stiff as a ramrod. Tap on the window, Watson. Oh, it's you. Thank God for that. What's up, Lestrade? Open the window. I never expected to see the day when I'd be so glad to see your face, Mr. Holmes. It's been a bad evening. Here, Watson. Step over the sill. That's it. You can close the window behind you. Now then, Lestrade, what's been giving you the jumps? Well, it's a lonely, silent house. And what with that queer thing in the kitchen, when I heard you tapping at the window, I thought it had come again. It? What is it? The devil, for all I know. I got here a bit earlier. I was sitting here reading a book when all of a sudden something made me look up. And there was a face looking in at me through the lower pane. Good Scott. And what was it like? Well, it wasn't black and always it white, sort of a clay color. Like it was dead and had earth on it and the size of it. Twice as big as yours. Good gracious me. But the look on the face was the worst of it. Great goggle eyes and a line of white teeth like a hungry beast. I tell you, I couldn't move a finger. I just shut my eyes and held my breath. And when I got the courage to look again, it was gone. Like that, into thin air. Hmm. Let's have a look round the house. Uh, wait till you see what's in the kitchen. Oh, well, no time like the present. You know the place, Lestrade. You lead the way. Not in your life. I'll go with you, but not ahead of you. Oh, all right. Here. Down this corridor to the right. Watson, you had better hold the lamp. Lestrade's hand doesn't seem to be as steady as usual. This is the kitchen. Entirely looking place. Look. What an extraordinary thing. Chicken feathers all over the room. Hmm, yes. A white cock torn savagely to pieces. And over in that corner is a goat with its throat slit and blood all over the place. How perfectly beastly. Yeah, but that's not the worst of it. Look here, Father Sink. Here's something to make your flesh creep. Ugh, what a sinister, shriveled-up thing. Looks like a barbaric doll or a mummified monkey. That is no doll, Watson. Nor yet a monkey. That was once a human being... A South American native, to be exact. What? Down there, some of the wilder tribes have a secret process by which they can dry and dwarf the bodies of their dead enemies until they look like this. It's a voodoo fetish. And all this mess of blood and slain animals indicates a South American voodoo sacrifice. South American? Green and white, of course. What is it, Holmes? Never mind, Watson. No time for discussion. Hurry, we must go to High Gables and find the governess. She must be made to talk while she's still able. That's the house. Governess's room is at the back. Hello. What's this? Closed carriage without lights drawn up at the front door. 
and baggage piled on top. We're trying to make a getaway. We must stop them. <sighs> How can we? We've got no warrant. Thank heavens I'm not a member of the official police. My revolver's warrant enough for me. Look, look. The front door's opening. Two men are coming out. The one in the greatcoat is Henderson, as he calls himself. I think I can tell you his real name if I get a look at his face. They're carrying something between them. Why, it's a woman. The governor's. Why can't she walk? What have they done to her? They're putting her in the carriage. Come on. We must stop them. Now then, hands up, both of you. Carlo, No, you don't, Carlo. One move to pick up those reins and you'll get a bullet through you. Now then, what have you done to that woman? She's sick. We are taking her to London. You must not stop us. Lestrade, light the carriage lamp. Watson, take a look at that woman. What seems to be the matter with her? Pulse? Pupils of eyes? Oh, yes, she, she's been drugged. Opium. She's half conscious. You will kill her. She is sick. We must get her to a doctor. Every moment is vital. No. Don't let him. He's a devil. He killed Garcia. Don't listen to her. She's delirious. We must go to a doctor. I am a doctor, my good man. Don't worry. She's in good hands. Dr. Watson will take care of her. Now, Lestrade, if you will remove the gentleman's hat so we can have a good look at his face. Aha. As I expected. Lestrade, arrest this man. He is the murderer of Garcia, and heaven knows how many other poor souls. Yeah, but who is he? Don Murillo, the tiger of San Pedro, the most bloodthirsty tyrant that ever ruled a helpless people. <laughs> say, Dr. Watson, I'm still a bit confused. Yes, and so was I, Mr. Bell, until the English governess explained the whole thing to me. Don Murillo had been a dictator of the country of San Pedro in South America. Its colors are green and white. Yes, I know. He was a terrible man who had no scruples about butchering anyone who stood in his way politically. One of his victims had been the Spanish husband of the English lady who later became Murillo's Governors. Oh, I see. His reign of terror ended in a revolution, but he managed to escape the country with all the government funds. The inhabitants of San Pedro plotted to bring him to justice, but failed until the Englishwoman managed to worm her way into his household. So that's why she was there. Yes, it is. She and a party headed by Garcia planned to kidnap Murillo and take him back to San Pedro where he could be tried for his crimes. Murillo, however, suspected the governess, intercepted her note, and uh, killed Garcia. Well, that's perfectly clear now. Oh, just one more thing. The hideous face at the window, what was that? Oh, that, that was Grogo, Garcia's huge native cook, who was sneaking back to get his voodoo fetish, the shriveled mummy. <laughs> that was certainly a blood-curdling story. Dr. Watson will return in just a moment to give us a hint about next week's story. Here's something of real interest for our lady listeners. I'm sure we all know or have heard how beautiful Powers models are. But did you know that these famous beauties make up to $35,000 a year? Which shows they have brains as well as beauty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but seriously, Joe, what impresses me most is that Powers models can afford to spend a fortune on their hair. Yet when they wash it, they rely on inexpensive cremel shampoo. Which proves how wonderful cremel shampoo really is. 
Powers models were among the first to discover that no other shampoo leaves hair more shining bright with natural gloss and luster. And under no circumstances does Cremel shampoo ever dry the hair. Cremel shampoo is not a soapless shampoo. It's not a cream shampoo. It's not a harsh soap or drying detergent. Cremel shampoo is entirely different. I'll check with that, Joe. After a Cremel shampoo, the hair actually radiates natural, brilliant highlights. And Cremel shampoo even has a built-in oil base which helps keep hair from becoming dry or brittle. It rinses out so easily and positively never, never leaves any dull, soapy film. So, ladies, always wash your hair with Cremel shampoo. It leaves hair a vision of shining, sparkling beauty, yet in no way hurts its texture. K-R-E-M-L, Cremel shampoo. Now, Dr. Watson, what about next week? Well, I'll never think next week. I think... No, I won't. Next week, I think I'll tell you about... Another one of our meetings with the the infamous Professor Moriarty. Yes, that's what I'll tell you. It's a strange story. A very strange story of violence and sudden death. Death that struck from the London shadows. I call it The Adventure of the Harley Street Murders. Sherlock Holmes' mystery was adapted from Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's story, The Adventure of Wisteria Lodge. Nigel Bruce appeared to the courtesy of California Pictures. Tom Conway by permission of Eagle Lion Pictures. The Sherlock Holmes series is produced by Tom McKnight, with original music composed and conducted by Alex Steiner. This is Joseph Bell, speaking for Cremel Hair Tonic and Cremel Shampoo and inviting you to be with us next week at this same time when Dr. Watson will tell us about the adventure of the Harley Street Murders. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. That concludes today's episode. We'd like to thank you and remind you to donate at choiceclassicradio.com. Remember, your donations make episodes like this possible.